0: Hey, No name-calling here. Just differing opinions going head-to-head.
1: With Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.
2: And it is time for Counterpoint. Let's bring in Andy Stitton, small businessman, and Jamie Ellerton, principal at Canaptus PR. Hey, guys. Uh,
0: hi hi there. It's raining outside. I got wet.
2: It is not raining outside. It's, like, kind of dry.
0: And I found there's an underground garage to this place, so I'm happy to have it now. now. <laughs>
2: I don't even use the underground but thank you. Uh Jamie all good.
1: Hello from Edmonton.
2: Oh 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 yeah. I think some stampeding got in there along the way. So good to have you. You're a trooper. Let's talk about, uh, I'm not sure if you're following uh, all the happenings at Queen's Park, but there was an omnibus uh, bill passed today at Queen's Park, which will legislate striking York University staff back to work after four months. And the unions are saying, hey, this violates our charter rights. And this is the president of CUPE, Fred Hahn, giving his thoughts
1: any legislation that removes the constitutionally protected rights of workers to free collective bargaining deserves to be challenged. So you will
2: take it to court or you won't take it to court?
1: Well we have a process in our union where the members actually decide that stuff, but if it was up to me, you bet your sweet patootie we'd take it to court.
2: Let's talk about patooties. Um, um, Andy and I gotta be honest, uh, I think a lot of patooties are sick and tired of being uh, sidelined by constant work disruption. Especially at York University, where it seems to happen all the time.
0: This is where, as me as, as your average working guy, small business owner, my head explodes. Because I read this, you know, you send us the notes, and I read it, and I'm going, these guys should get back to work, and the students should be able to finish their education. And the union seems to have some good points. And then... Name the, one. The sexual assault thing.
2: But that's not, okay.
0: That's one of those things That's been going
2: on at York University for a very long time.
0: They say, and then the other side of it is that you've got the university allegedly not showing up. Somebody should crack some heads together.
2: Well, they did. Give them three weeks. otherwise,
0: (laughs) Otherwise, because if you do force them back to work from what everybody's saying, you're going to end up in court, and that doesn't solve anything.
1: Jamie? Yeah, and I think one of the other weird things about this, if you kind of listen to QP's messaging and response today it was kind of like they pretended that the ontario government started fresh and new with the new premier ford but I don't think the courts are really going to take kind of a change in government uh, as if they had to go all the way back to square one on this. And so obviously the Premier when uh, former Premier Wynne and her government were involved in this issue and trying to get parties to the bargaining table. And it clearly did not work. Uh, I think it's definitely within the union's rights to take this to court if they feel the need to challenge it. But I think there definitely is a fatigue and kind of a reputational hit for York University. Are people going to want to go and they, every year there's a risk that they're not going to be able to complete their school year, whether or not they end up getting a refund for tuition and stuff like that? it still ends up being half a year of their life that gets put on hold and people I to start to look out for.
2: Absolutely. But on the flip side, I mean, it's not like the, the unions should be surprised by this. This was a major plank in, in Doug Ford's campaign. They knew that if he was elected, he was going to do the back-to-work legislation. Um, so they had all the time during that election campaign to get back to the table. They could themselves go back to the table, but they don't, Andy.
0: It is, here's where I get frustrated. You know, it seems that that Ontario and Canada is starting to be a bit like the United States. Everybody is battling everybody. There's a right, there's a left, there's all these other things. When is common sense going to prevail and somebody meet in the middle Mm. and talk and mediate? And and maybe those kids can go back to school. Maybe they can get something for the tuition fee. But right now, the other side of it is, even if they are forced back, what's the diploma going to be worth? Nothing.
2: Nothing. And then there'll be another strike with another group in another six months somewhere else. So it's a cycle that just keeps going. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the uh, sex ed curriculum, which apparently is the most important story ever in the entire universe uh, and the only thing anyone ever wants to talk about. But I guess the PCs have clarified their their sex ed. They repealed the new curriculum. They said today, however, that uh, in the fall, kids will still have access to things like consent, cyber safety, gender identity. You know, Jamie, they're trying to suck and blow here a little bit. They they strategically made a mistake by yanking uh, this curriculum. They should have left it in and made the changes. But now uh, it looks like they're going to keep the the major things in that people were upset about.
1: Yeah, I think the government's kind of had their first comms fiasco on this as well. They are a bit over the map. It was obviously a political promise that Premier Ford made in the election to repeal the curriculum. But when you listen to those who are most ardently opposed to it and ask them what they would like to see repeal and replace, none of them have anything they want to point to. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, LGBT groups are, are rightly concerned uh, when they weren't even mentioned in the previous curriculum and the fact that that's being rolled back. Uh, and quite frankly, it needed to be modernized. This has been taught in Ontario schools now for the past three years, uh, with the exception of a bunch of loud fanatics with otherwise little fanfare. And like the vast majority of parents support their kids learning these things as well as talk to their kids about it at home. So I think if you look at kind of the blowback they've faced in the media about this, they've realized that they've got an issues management comms issue on their hand, which is why you saw Minister Thompson walk this back today in the House, or sorry, in the legislature, and uh, I think this is not going to be the last of it, so I saw later in the afternoon when she was pressed for on the a uh, they didn't really have details as to what they were going to keep of the new one and what was going to go back to the old one, and they're all over the map. Well, the legislature is sitting, they're being held to account by the NDP on this one, and uh, this is definitely not, I think, going to be the last time we talk about this on your show.
2: If only there was this much outrage, Andy, over the fact that so many kids are failing math. I mean, look, the reality is, for those who are so perplexed about this, there are, are people there are people called parents. Parents are actually pretty good at what they do. Um, and I know that good told agree that, they, with that Well, like, appara- uh, apparently parents can't parents. So I mean, Jamie's just coming this
0: great it. big long, calm explanation. Mm-hmm. Here's what they did. You know, sorry, Jamie, don't want to, you know, get on your case. But they didn't think this out. Well, that's what he they, said. They went in a longer, roundabout way. It's like, and there's assumptions. There's this. Somebody, and this is, doesn't look good on Ford. Because... I said the other week, I'll give him a chance. I didn't expect anything quickly. Now they've come out with something quickly. Now they're they're dialing it back. Now they're going to go out for consultation, but it'll be in in the school in September. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then they're saying out for consultation, which will take two months. The way that figures, that's going to be the end of September. But but,
2: but do you actually really... I just get confused. It's BS. Are we actually telling, like, parents can't possibly talk about this with their kids like are we are we to believe that all parents are so useless and daft that they need the government to to make sure their kids are taught
0: no but i think there are certain religious and cultural people that can't sit down and talk about gender issues can't talk about sex they can't and they don't know how to i think there's another part of the population that are just plain uncomfortable
2: Yeah, I think we... um,
0: Like, I believe that babies come from Cabbage Patch, from my father telling me. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I mean, that was my sex ed.
2: Jamie, do not say anything right now. But it is not... Like, the the world is not going to come to an end because of sex ed. It's a wedge issue. It's annoying, for sure. It's not the most important issue, I think, uh, facing kids, Jamie. I mean, we have violence in classrooms. We have kids failing uh, and not getting the actual skills they need. That should be a bigger issue. But, no question, the PC's... Themselves in the foot on what was really something that they should have easily been able to avoid. They've made it an issue.
1: Yeah, I think the other thing to watch for here is they're going to end up ticking off people on all sides of the issue, which really has to do with what they ultimately accomplish at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you do look at kind of the need for curriculation, a curriculum modernization, I actually do some work with Canada Learning Code, a national coding charity, who's trying to get coding education into the curriculum rather than kids having to stumble upon it online on their own in their free time, yeah. or maybe as an elective in high school. Like, when you look at kind of where the economy is going in the future and that kind of stuff, that's definitely going to be way more impactful, but that doesn't also minimize the actual importance of a Baseline sex education and physical health and education throughout the curriculum so that people know how to conduct their affairs, know that if they're going to be sexually active in their early teens and the like, because they are, we're deluding ourselves that we think that teens aren't, uh, that they're doing so in an informed way. And I think that's ultimately uh, for the better. Hey, no name calling here, just differing opinions going head to head with Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Here's Alex. Pearson on Global News Radio.
2: Andy Stinton, Jamie Ellerton, joining us for this Monday edition of Counterpoint. And Guess what?
0: So it, that's how you make mashed potatoes. I was just explaining to exactly. Alex in the break. You, you, lots, of smush, yeah, lots, lots of butter. Yeah, lots of butter, nutmeg. No, <laughs> no nutmeg. We, we would just, you know, that's what we do in the breaks. That's what we we talk discuss about. <laughs> recipes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about PharmaCare. Uh, we did not solve that issue, but if you want national uh, pharma plans, it's going to cost us. Said, uh, you know, shocking. No. Um, But this comes from the former budget watchdog, Kevin Page, who was pretty blunt in his assessment, saying that taxes would have to go up 20 billion a year. So we're looking at if you wanted to raise money to go after um, something like PharmaCare, you'd have to raise uh, GST by 2 percent. Do we have a clip on this? Okay, take a listen.
1: We have many, many more individuals who are working for themselves, who aren't part of large organizations. Probably most people in this room actually have benefits plans because they're in an organization that has them. But increasingly, Canadians don't. Some people are finding ways to deal with that that are, you know, through individual plans. Others are taking a risk.
2: OK, that was uh, Finance Minister Bill Morneau. Jamie, do you think people will be happy to pay up another 2% in increased taxes, uh, tw- you know, $20 billion a year for this?
1: No, I really don't. And I think if you look at kind of the deficits that you're facing, not only at the provincial level in most provinces across the country, but also with the feds engaging in a massive new social program that's going to spike costs $20 billion a year, I don't think the appetite for an increase in taxes is going to be there. And I think if you also look at what we have just found in Ontario, where the previous government had the program that was free for everyone over the age of 65 and under the age of 25. There were people who actually had private insurance and could have still had their drugs covered yeah. uh, that the province all of a sudden picked up the hook for. So I think if we're really going to do this, this needs to be a lot more nuanced. Uh, and the more that politicians go around and start talking about free drugs for everyone without actually putting forth a plan, it just further takes us down the road of like, never-ending deficits, and ultimately someone's going to have to pay eventually.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Andy, uh, everyone should have Medicare, but not everyone should. Uh, you know, if I I've am got a- so for this. You're so for this. Yes, because well, I'm. Well, why a small, should someone well, like me, who has a medical plan, walk out with free prescriptions? To me, that's just an abuse of the system. It should go to those who are under a certain um, amount of money and who desperately need it. I don't. You don't need it. I don't need it. Small Jamie doesn't business need it.
0: P- does because I need to attract. A new employee say, one of the the Achilles heel of small business is we can offer very few benefits. We can't offer any private health care, dental. So, you know, you've got a prospective uh, person coming to, you to work for you. They're going to go to the bigger company that they've got. Now, if you want to go on a private health care system, it doesn't work for small companies because you only get out what you pay in. So why shouldn't I have the same and people who want to work in my small biz, why shouldn't they have the same health care that you have? Because that's called equality. Is that or not where we're at?
2: Well, I didn't have it for years, but nonetheless, Jamie, he makes a good point. This Andy Stinton guy, um, said that maybe what? instead of structuring it that everybody has it, you structure tax incentives for smaller businesses to create these plans, and then you give it to those who are under a certain, um, you know, tax bracket.
1: Yeah, I think you can also look at ways to just actually reform the tax system so that I'm also a small business owner and pay for prescriptions with will rarely when I need them. Thankfully, I'm in my early 30s and healthy uh, when I pay for those out of pocket. And I think you can look for ways to structure that in the tax systems that you're able to write off more of that, not only on potentially, through the corporate small business side, but also as an individual to recognize for the fact that we don't have uh, plans like a lot of the large employers do. But one of the things that I have real concerns about when you talk about this, if you look at things like cancer care in Ontario, where the yeah. like, kind of basic level chemo is available, if you have like a strain of cancer and the more new edge – cutting-edge chemo and the treatments aren't covered by OHIF. you're either forced to hopefully get into a clinical trial or go south of the border and mm-hmm. pay for it out of pocket. Yeah. And it's like, anytime I hear the government's going to do something that's supposed to be great for everyone, mm-hmm. it probably means they're lowering the bar to a point where it kind of, at some level, makes financial sense for the government. But ultimately, a lot of things don't make the cut. And are we really further ahead on this? I think this is really an, an, a solution in search of a problem. And if we're looking at going investing more in the healthcare system, I don't think Addressing pharmacare when this isn't as big as an issue as it is. Yes, if there are those who don't get drugs uh, today. Perhaps we can look at how to do that. But a blanket, one-size-fits-all approach is just, to me, not the answer. Yeah, you know, uh, but why shouldn't we all be equal?
2: But why wouldn't you want Jamie? that money to go into healthcare, like to to improve the one system? Apparently, we all want. I mean, I just waited three months to get an MRI on my ankle to look at a tear in my ankle that's now much bigger than it was. Uh, three months ago. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I'd rather see us put $20 billion into correcting what we need, uh, you know, cancer treatments and all the rest of it, rather than pharmacare.
0: But the fact is, you won't. If you put another $20 billion into the present uh, health care system, it's a nice eye that you'd see, idea that you'd see $20 billion out at the other end. With all the bureaucracy, the politicians, the civil service... It could do, but at least you're covering people and you're giving an added benefit. There is no guarantee that they wouldn't, you know, just throw the $20 billion. That wouldn't throw it out the door. But it wouldn't be efficient. Governments aren't efficient. So, Jamie, when you're talking about efficiencies, they're not there in the first place.
1: Oh, for sure. But I also think, like, I'm a small business owner because, A, I believe I can ultimately make more money in the long term. B, I get to enjoy my work more by not having to work for somebody else. And C, it it allows me to kind of grow and be rewarded for that kind of stuff. And there are other trade-offs I make to be self-employed and enjoy that benefit. To pretend like I all of a sudden need to be taken care of if I'm chained to a desk nine to five like a lot of people in the workforce. That's a choice I actively make as an entrepreneur and a small business owner. And I'm happy to pay those things out of pocket because I thankfully can't afford it.
0: How many employees do you have?
1: Uh, I'm actually a one-man shop right now.
0: Okay, so you don't have the issue of attracting new labor. And when they come to you and they say, Jamie, tell me about the benefits. What benefits are you going to offer them?
2: Benefit of employment. Next. Alright. Uh, I want to talk quickly about this. <laughs> Next.
0: Wow, I, want you'd to be talk, great... I wanted
2: to get this one in because... You're
0: lucky you've got a job, young man. Get back to the workhouse.
2: Those who, uh, <laughs> who saved for their very pricey Tesla, their weekend car, say they're being targeted because that um, incentive has been suddenly taken away. Are we supposed to, uh, Jamie, feel sorry for for those who can't afford a toy i'm not talking about all it's electrical a cars toy. A to- yes a tesla is a toy andy why period. is it a
0: toy it's a mode of transportation
2: anything S- over 40 grand is a toy
0: so every bmw is a toy no but it's every not Audi but i is shouldn't a pay toy.
2: for it why am i paying for that why should i give you fourteen thousand? dollars?
0: the duly elected government at the time made a bargain with the people and they said here are these incentives and they're gone and they're gone now, and now you're leaving people $14,000 behind and They couldn't afford that car. And it's only a $45,000 car. Oh,
1: no, only.
2: Jamie?
1: Uh, listen, I think if you can afford to buy a $50,000 car, <laughs> you don't need subsidies from the taxpayers to make yourself feel better about your conscience. Exactly.
2: That...
0: But it's tree-huggy. You've got to love the environment. Uh, it's electric, Jamie.
2: Buy your own tree. Buy your own car. On that note, gentlemen, I have to leave it there. Thank you very much, both of you. Andy Stinton and Jamie Ellerton, enjoy your time in Alberta, beautiful Alberta. And thanks for joining us. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.